Find Your Faith with the Find Your Faith podcast. Many of you will be aware the business that I own and operate and uh, founded back in 2009 is called Find Your Feet. At Find Your Feet, we have three arms to what we do. There's obviously the coaching and education side that I absolutely love and which gets me out of bed every single day, excited and ready to uh, head down the hill on my e-bike, whizzing through the cold air uh, to work. But there's also uh, two retail stores, which includes um, a very, very large online store. The Hobart store is still thankfully open, although we request that people come in with purpose, preferably having already looked at the online store, knowing what they are uh, looking for at this stage, and then we can help you out. But for those people who can't access the store or who live elsewhere outside of Hobart, then yeah, jump onto our online store. On the online store, we offer a um, live chat service. So if you've got any questions, we can chat to you. Otherwise, you can pick up the phone, give us a call, and we'll talk through your needs. Or you can send us an email and we'll send back our suggestions of what garments or equipment might suit you for your wild adventures that you are hopefully still dreaming about. Um, We also have a Find Your Feet tour um, with tours that once operated to the other side of the world as well as here in Tasmania and also now the Great Ocean Walk which we are doing in partnership with the Australian Walking Company. It is our greatest, greatest endeavour that our trips and domestic trips at the end of the year might still be able to operate although it's a watch this space environment as you're aware. But we really are here just to help other people to find their feet. As you will hear in this podcast today, this episode is all about um, my new book coming out and then some of the things that I've learned from the experiences that I had back in 2005 through till 2010 and the similarities that are existing for me in my world at the moment now. And so the tips and tricks and things that I'm thinking about that are helping me navigate through this space So I really wanted to have this uh, conversation with you. Thank you so much for continuing to support everything that we do at Find Your Feet. It is um, the thing that allows us to put food on the table at night, the thing that gives me the space and time to continue to write, discuss, share everything that I love to share with you all. So yeah, thank you so much. Also too, you might want to know that I Uh, For the whole month of April, I have released all of my training planners for free. Uh, In this, in in the training plans that I have available, there is a beginner plan, a marathon plan, a trail marathon plan, event-specific plans, a 100-miler plan, and a 100-kilometer plan. So there's pretty much something there for everyone. We've had over 6,000 downloads uh, in the month to date. So if you are not one of those individuals, you do need some support. I'm offering these free. You can find them on my website, hannyalston.com.au or on the Find Your Feet website, findyourfeet.com.au. My new book is soon to be released. Hopefully that will be coming out in early May. We'll be opening up pre-orders for the book in the coming weeks. So stay tuned. We'll probably come back to the podcast with a lot more details, a little bit more information around this new book coming out. 
So yes, today the conversation is with moi. Um, it is another solo rant because in self-isolation, there's not a lot of uh, opportunity to sit down with the beloved Jess or any of my other colleagues. So here it is. This is with me. I do hope that you find this really helpful. And finally, hope you're all dreaming wilder, staying safe. Keep remembering that those emo- those times for playing wilder, they're coming back to us soon. So just hold in tight, guys. I'm here to help you. I hope you enjoy this conversation with me. And the one we could have lived. But I lived a life nonetheless. And when I piece each of the fragments of it together and look back on it like one of my mother's large patchwork quilts, I see just how amazingly beautiful, rich and colourful it is. However, as I begin to see the beauty in my story and become more adapted to living in the absolute presence of each dawning moment, I find it hard not to sometimes feel guilty. This guilt stems from love, stems from a knowledge that while I am back on my path and dancing on my own two feet again, others around me may still be pressing through the undergrowth and seeking their path. My heart aches with love, feels their discomfort, and now that I have learnt the gift of giving compassion to myself, I feel desperate to extend this compassion to them. It is incredibly challenging for us to sit in another's discomfort. But what now makes it easier is to know that I too have been to the depths of this valley. I have stood under the bottom rung in a place where you feel there is literally nothing much left. But there's a strange feeling down there, a strength lingering in that nowhere space, because at least there is only one option, up. What I found when I reached the valley's floor was that the pathway to finding my feet became clearer. Grief is a really challenging thing to recover from because there's no easy formula. We all deal with our grief in our own ways, wrapping our hearts in various protective tea cozies. For the grieving process is like the process of brewing tea. Our soul is like the tea leaves. The trauma is the hot water and we are the teapots. When the hot water hits us, we hiss and sizzle, and then the intensity subsides. And from the outside, the teapot will look innocent, whole, appealing. But on the inside, the water sears our souls, and some of us experience dark, heavy tannins seeping outwards to stain the sides of our hearts with bitter residues. And finally, when the water cools, the seeping stops, and the tea leaves sit swollen and still, drowning beneath the weight of their own story. That's just a small excerpt from part of my new book, which is going to be coming out in a few weeks' time, and I'm very excited to share it with you. And I start with a heavy bit, but at the end of this podcast, I'm going to share just a little bit more, which shows you how um, I've... I've told my story to provide hope and to help others to find their feet. I guess I share that little excerpt because as we sit here in the coronavirus-laden worlds, like we are all grieving for lives that potentially we've lost for now, temporarily, and also for the challenges and the struggles and the journeys that each of us are on at the moment. 
And I come back to my podcast and after a lengthy break, and I do apologize, but I think that everyone understands that we are living in this crazy world um, because I want to be as open as I can about the journey that I've been on and maybe some of the things that I've been focusing on that might also help you if you feel like you're in a bit of a tricky situation at the moment. I was really inspired to jump back behind the microphone too because um, I recently put out a post on my social media site about the impact that this stressful environment has had on my female hormones. Um, I said that the only other time recently when my hormonal balance went out of equilibrium was after running the full distance of the French Pyrenees over 19 days, like a journey of around well over 700 kilometers. I ran day in, day out, often a marathon or more a day through um, three heat waves and over these mountain passes all on my own. So, you know, now that I'm sitting in this situation where I'm fighting to protect my home from the banks and our creditors as we run retail stores and tourism enterprises through the height of this coronavirus, ensuring the livelihood of the 23 people that we employ in our business. Um, my hormones have gone out of whack again. And you know that this happens when your menstrual cycle dries up for a period of time. Um, other women experience much more intense discomfort in the lead up to their menstrual cycles. And some people find that they also have heavier flows. For men, you know, this this hormonal shift and this hormone um, altering of the hormonal balance is a lot more difficult to ascertain. But you can tell by changes in your mood, changes in your sleep-wake cycles, changes in your sexual drive, changes in in that just sensation of masculinity, um, and all of those symptoms are also there for women. You'll also notice that if you're a very active person in how well you recover from training, um, and I've had many, many, many emails from different members of our community talking about the various impacts that these stressful environments had on them. One lady was talking about how she just feels like she really struggles to run for five kilometers when previously she was capable of running ultra marathon distances. So this to me is just um, evidence of a body that is experiencing high stress loads and really struggling to adapt. So I come to the podcast today because I want to open the discussion of this. I want to bring this human experience to light. I know that I'm not the only woman out there struggling with menstrual cycles. I know that there are also men out there who will be grappling with ways to protect the livelihoods of themselves and their families and also the teams that they work within. So this is not just um, a one-stop conversation. This is a human experience that is affecting all of us. I think it's really important then to begin with, like, what is stress? Um, we have this, I think, like, negative connotation to the word stress in that we think of stress as being something which is like, oh, you're stressed, and it's sort of like a downplay, a negative. The thing is stress come, is a, like a one-stop formula. So it, it dates right back to the um, days when we used to need to run away from tigers and protect our livelihoods. It doesn't matter whether the stress comes from a fabulous tempo run like I had this morning with the snow and the rain and the sleet. Um, so the elements, the weather was a stress out there. The physical exercise was a stress out there. And obviously in 
running at a higher intensity was a stress. But the thing is, like, stress can come from the one-year-old's birthday party, which is a fabulous, fun experience. But when you've got 12 one- and two-year-olds in the room, it can feel incredibly stressful. It can come from grieving someone's passing. It can come from grieving changes and disruption to your livelihood and your business. It can be a financial stress. It can just be sitting under fluorescent lights for the entire day. In fact, sitting down can be a stressor on the body. But it's a one-stop formula. So when a stressor is in action, the body produces cortisol and often adrenaline, noradrenaline to create a feeling of flight, fight or freeze. So imagine that, you know, any of those one experiences or stressors that I mentioned um, is the equivalent of the body gearing up to run away from the tiger. The thing is, stress is meant to be a short-term response. So cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline pump into the body. They activate the flight, fight or freeze response. The um, Hopefully the stressor is then dealt with and then the body can return to its equilibrium, its homeostatic state. But if stressors keep hitting us, so for instance, my morning this morning, I woke up to an alarm. That's a stressor. I had a black tea, a bit of caffeine. It's a positive stressor in my world, but um, but it is a stressor on the body. It will activate the um, the body. It'll like um, get you sort of feeling more alive and energetic from the caffeine. I then step out into the elements. I mean the elements, the weather, the cold. My fingers were freezing, and I started doing a tempo run. All of that is not. There's nothing wrong with that. But if I come back and um, and then I answer a phone call and there's a drama at work and then I rush to my computer and I begin rush, like typing out emails and then I realize three hours later I haven't eaten breakfast and I have my breakfast and then I'm off to a meeting and then and then if as you can see if if that was how my day had planned out then I'm remaining in a constant cortisol high. The significance of this, and you might be going, okay, I understand all this, and I think I know all this already, but the significance of this is that cortisol is produced from a precursor hormone to cortisol, and it's called pregnenolone. And the interesting thing about pregnenolone is that it doesn't just um, like adapt and become cortisol, it also can be used to make are sex hormones and a couple of other hormones, but predominantly the two different pathways that can be um, created out of pregnenolone, this precursor master hormone, is the stress response, also cortisol, or the sexual hormones, particularly progesterone, estrogen, testosterone. So if you think about like back to our ancestors, were they going to prioritize running away from the tiger or cortisol or in that moment of high stress when the tiger's barreling towards them, excuse the language, but would they lie down and have sex? I think we all know the answer. You know, survive, the survival instinct is, is the greatest instinct. So when we are in a time of high stress response, the body will always prioritize cortisol production. So the significance of this for men and women is that our sexual hormones are stolen away, and we call this pregnenolone steel, stolen away to produce the cortisol. And that is why in this current moment, or when I ran the length of the French Pyrenees, 
I was, um, my menstrual cycle dried up because my female hormones weren't there to ensure that my menstrual cycle could keep running. And it was my body's way of protecting me from not getting pregnant in a time when my stress levels are too high or it's deemed dangerous by the body to have children. So for men, it's the same. You know, as cortisol, if cortisol production is really, really high, then testosterone levels will drop. And they actually see that in men who live really, really um, heavy workloads, and again, it would be the same for women, but just taking men as their example, like really, really high workloads and in constant stressful state, flying back and forwards to meetings, you know, long, long working days, heavy commute and heavy traffic, sitting in office environments, you know, barreling emails in out of office. I'm I'm stereotyping, but I'm trying to give you the, the, the big picture example. They've seen that their testosterone levels at 50 were the equivalent as if they were 65. So in some ways, we're taking years off our reproductive life if we choose to remain, and I say choose, to remain in a, in a highly stressful state. So again, none of this is necessarily negative. Stressors can be positive. They can also have a negative influence. And, and, you know, the classic one is after someone passes. But after I ran the Pyrenees, which I deem a really, really, really positive, life-changing experience, it took about three months for my hormones to um, come back into equilibrium. So, you know, it makes you think in this current time, we need to find ways to choose to where possible lower our stress or um, or the stressors in our life so to lower the accumulation of stressors the number of times they're hitting us throughout a day to ensure that our bodies have time to remove the cortisol out of the system get our sexual hormones and other functions like digestive functions back in balance don't like the word very much but let's say it for now balance so that we can bring back our optimal health and well-being and if you do that you will find greater clarity of thought that you will be sleeping better that your relationships will improve that your mood will be a lot more positive and stable that you'll be a lot more productive at work you'll have clarity of thought you'll find that your reproductive system should hopefully maintain normal um, equilibrium And also your digestive response will also stay healthier. So that's just a few, just a few small examples of how this could help. So um, as I sort of came to this awareness and um, began looking at the choices that I had, I realized that I felt like I'd been here before. And that's sort of where this new book comes out. And it's funny and almost serendipitous, the timing, but... The new book that I have coming out is um, is about what it is, my story. It's called Finding My Feet, My Story. And back at the end of 2005, um, at the time I felt like I'd fallen in a hole. Not too dissimilar in some ways to the, um, the, the stress response that I feel now as I, you know, face down huge financial challenges within our life and our business. Um... And the interesting thing about that time back in 2005 was that it came unexpectedly and it wasn't of my own making necessarily. And I remember thinking one day I was out running, actually where I was running this morning, and I had this 
sudden feeling that I'd fallen in a hole. And that's what I was just reading, I guess, a tiny little excerpt out of the book about falling in a hole. And then only in that moment realizing that in some ways that was a blessing because now the pathway was clear that the only way out of that hole was up. And so what I found myself doing was latching onto a dream. And the dream back then was to win the junior world orienteering titles in my very last year as a junior, which was now just about seven months away. I'm not going to give away what happens in the book. I hope that you will um, rally behind it and, and love it as much as I loved writing the book. But in essence, what got me through that time was having a dream. And that's probably why if you've been um, following any of the stuff that I've been putting out, um, any of the social media that I've been trying to do without sounding like a sales pitch, because please, um, none of it is, is I'm trying to encourage us all to find a dream. Because when you have a dream, you can have a really tough day, but when you crawl into bed, you'll just find it flashes up in front of you. So for example, the dream that's keeping me alive at the moment or keeping me honest and keeping me driven is I just really, really want to return to Central Australia and to pull out my tent and lie by some, you know, beautiful riverbed that's so unlike anything that we have here in Tasmania, like lying under the big river red gums. Maybe you can hear fish flopping like we did once upon a time and lie there with my husband in the tent and just listen to the sounds of the night, knowing that tomorrow or the next day I would be out of the tent running around and having no worries, no concerns about um, the business and financial stuff back home. I guess no stress. So that's the dream that I just keep coming back to and I find it pops up at the most unexpected times throughout the day. Um, It pops up when I'm running, when I'm making a cup of tea, when I'm crawling into bed. We talk about it over dinner at night. And, um, And you feel it just gives you a fire in the belly. So I implore and I ask you, what is your dream? What is it that you are latching onto in these times of isolation, in these times of potentially high workload or juggling um, your, your children's schooling while you're also trying to work from home? Like we are in the most unusual time, but it is the people that keep their dreams alive, that find agility through this time, that use it as an opportunity to explore new ways of doing things that are going to be the ones that come out the other end thriving. So I guess then I want to be practical and say, well, what are some of the things that I've been doing um, that potentially have been helping me to write the stress response um, and to help me live each day to the best of my abilities? Um, And I'm not saying that there aren't times of high stress, But what I'm saying is the things that I'm trying to focus on are to try and make sure that I'm not constantly on a chronic stress response. I was really blessed that a friend, um, he's been on the podcast, Aaron Schultz, where we were talking about yoga and and his his own journey as a a yoga guru and health guru. Um, He reached out to me a couple about three weeks ago and offered me the opportunity to participate in his new online Facebook live yoga classes. I love Aaron because he's, he's just so down to earth. Um, 
And I've done a lot of yoga over time and there's so many extraordinary people out there, but there's something about Aaron's yoga. Um, Aaron Schultz online yoga is what it's called. If you want to look it up, then I'll put it in the show notes, but there's something just really groundingly, um, I don't know, doable about it. And, um, I find that it's really hit the spot and, I feel like he was kind of this little angel that walked into my world because um, in the three weeks since really participating and really focusing and I set myself a challenge of just, even if it was 10 minutes, but some yoga every single day guided by him, um, I can feel that my hormones have just straight away come back into a normal state. Um, Every night I've slept better up until that point. I was having really vivid dreams all night. And um, I've been sleeping incredibly deeply. One night I even slept for 11 and a half hours, which is super unlike me. Um, I found that I'm not craving sugar as much. I'm not that that's nec- not that a bit of sugar is bad, but I just I was in living in this like sugar to sugar to sugar to sugar kind of moment because stress and cortisol um, actually drives the craving of sugar. It drives energy production in the body. Um, so this new um, I'm not doing a lot of like really heavy yoga. I'm really focusing more on yin yoga, which is stretching, releasing, earthing, grounding. <laughs> it's just such a nice excuse to lie on the floor and just, um, I don't know, just, just unwind. Um, and I, I found that my relationships have also really improved because of it. So, so that's definitely one thing. I'm, I'd always been very adverse to adding more into my world, but the way I'm really focusing is that if I add a stressor, so like a, a run, another meeting into the day, maybe, um, uh, what else, you know, something of a higher intensity, then I have to equal it with something that unwinds me. So it needs to be going to bed early, reading a book, doing 10 minutes of just meditation, which I love to do just in bed, just before I fall asleep. It could be yoga and yin yoga. Um, it could be just a walk, um, with a friend, a gentle jog. But if I add something that's of a higher intensity or a higher stress or load, then I need to also equal it with, um, a lower stress or load. And having that equation in my head has so, so helped me. Um, I, as I say, like one of my things that I'd always been adverse to about doing more yoga was like, where do I fit it in to my world? So I've made the conscious choice to cut short my runs, um, a little bit on some of my days. And I begin with a little bit of yoga before I go out the door for a run. And in that time, I normally do more like a flow yoga that activates things or I'll do some strength exercises some awakening exercises but um I'd kind of fallen out of that routine and I've brought that back in so I always start the day with 20-30 minutes inside and a slightly shorter run time um most of the time not all the time most of the time before that um I get up just that 15 minutes extra earlier And um, I always start with a cup of tea, like a green tea or black tea with my homemade soy milk and just a handful of dried dates, organic dates, just to put a little bit of energy in the system. Because whilst I've over time become adjusted to often running or nothing, like we're in this time where the body doesn't need more stressors and going out the door in a completely fasted state, to be honest, can be a stressor for the body, especially if you're already a bit low in energy and depleted from really big days before. So 
I've just really consciously made this decision. So I get up, I pull my running gear on, I put my pajamas back over the top, as I've talked about numerous times, that's like a little bit of self-compassion for myself. I head straight into the kitchen and um, I'll drink my cup of tea. I try and avoid looking at any social media or any news, any emails, just just enjoying the tranquility. Um, I don't put on bright lights. I've got a little USB lantern that I love to use. Um, I have my cup of tea. As soon as I finished it, I go into my studio. This is one of the other changes that I made is that I made um, a very conscious decision that my studio is a place for exercise. It's a place for yoga, which is kind of exercise, but um, so exercises or yoga, yin yoga, or work, or taking phone calls where I know I'm going to end up talking about work, such as, you know, when my parents call and they're checking in on me, and I know that they're asking me or going to ask me about work, I'll walk into my studio. When I go in there, I shut the door. I was talking to one of the parents that I've been working with, and um, she was saying that, um, because we'd suggested this for her, is that she actually moved her children into one room, so that her and her husband could create um, a studio or a, a work hub out of one of the children's bedrooms because it was more important that they had a space to go in to um, lock off work and, and the active brain from the home environment when they're working at home and the kids are studying at home. And they did the same for the children. They created a spot and then within that boundary is schooling and outside of that boundary is home and that they weren't going to mix the two. So they were trying to, well, I guess it's a, like a focused attempt to not be doing work on the kitchen table, doing work sitting on the, on the couch or on the floor in the lounge room. Those spaces, they need to be sacred. They need to be a home environment. Um, so, yeah, so in the morning I walk into my studio, I shut the door, and suddenly my brain is now on, on you know, training mode or work mode. Once I've done my yoga, I'm straight out the door, I go for my run, but I'd often, like, I might have an idea of what I want to do, but I try where possible to listen into my intuition. And, and doing the yoga or the exercises before that helps guide me as to how I'm actually feeling in the moment. Often I'll pick up in, in the, within my studio that, you know, I'm feeling really fatigued or I'm feeling quite flat. Um, and then that helps guide my decision of what I'm going to do in my training or running, um, I come straight back in the door. Um, I jump straight in a hot shower first before I, if I need to, just stretch something out, but straight in the hot shower, um, into the kitchen, cup of tea, breakfast, um, and then no work is thought about until I'm either on the bike or in the, in the car heading into work. And when I cross the threshold at work, um, then that is the time when I kick into work mode. And so having this kind of separation has really, really helped me. Um, And at the other end of the day, it's the same. As soon as I leave work, I'm allowed to keep debriefing in the car or on the bike with my husband. But as soon as I get home um, and cross the threshold through the front door, no work is to come inside with me. And I'm not saying that I've been perfect. I've broken the rules many, many times. but, um, But it's having this conscious choice of living a life which separates work and training and play and home. Um, It'll, it's really 
like I say, improve the relationship with my husband, especially because we are co-directors of a company that is in, you know, all sorts of challenges. Um, And it's just been really important to kind of have this separation. Um, A few other things is we try to also celebrate the normality, the life, the home, the, the relationship. So every night when we've had, when we're having dinner, we light candles every night, turn down the lights Just make it feel cozy and beautiful. Um, We might lie on the floor and stretch and read and um, watch, you know, watch programs that uplift us, not not programs that are kind of sad and um, and dramatizing because they'll probably kickstart your stress response again. But um, I guess it's like it's all about conscious choice because choice is freedom. You know, we can feel trapped in this isolation state, but we only feel trapped when we don't feel like we have choices. So, yeah, I mean, to be honest, the picking up things like yoga has um, broken down so many negative connotations and barriers that I had created for myself around that activity. And by just dropping the expectations and thinking, well, bugger it, I'll have a go it's opened up now a plethora more choices of what I feel like I can do in the evening. Because sometimes when I got home and I feel like I needed to do something and I I didn't just want to flake on the couch, but I didn't have the energy for a run, I'd often feel really trapped at home. Whereas now having this choice of like going into my studio and lying on my mat and just rolling around and stretching things out, it's, it's opened up this new, new feeling of choice. I think the other thing that I've really tried to do is, um, is to really make sure that there's a a real difference between the easy days and the hard days. So I've made my easy days easier and my hard days harder. And so it's it's just, again, listening into that intuition in the body and and making sure that when you, by creating these moments of quietness in the day, in your day, it helps you to be able to get to that point where you can listen to your body more. Because if we're on that constant cortisol stress response high, it's really, really hard to actually hear what the body's actually asking for us. And um, I think, you know, I heard, uh, I heard someone say just the other day that listening to the body is the first step to self-mastery. And I kind of really agree with that. Yeah, so freedom is about seeing the choices. They are still all around us. We are really fortunate, even in Australia here at the moment, that there are choices. You know, I can, and we and others can be facing down bankruptcy, and yet we can still feel a sense of freedom in this moment. It's about looking around and finding the choices. It can be as simple as thinking that you're going to break outside your normal routines and cook different meals for dinner. You're spending time in the kitchen being creative, picking up the paintbrushes, singing and dancing in your living room to Celine Dion. It doesn't matter what it is. It's about finding choices. And through all this, I guess, like, I've felt such mountains of fear in different moments. But I bring it out because I've talked about fear in terms of, like, heading out on the missions and standing on start lines for races. But I'm feeling that same experience, that same fear in this moment of like juggling this business in this environment, which is so unpredictable. But one thing that it's really highlighted to me is that if I'm feeling fear around my work, it means that work is really meaningful to me because fear highlights what is meaningful to us. 
And this has actually been a real, a real beauty in disguise for me because I'd, I'd had a period of time where I'd probably fallen out of love with what I was doing or I'd, it had just become so big and so voluminous and so all encompassing that I'd, I'd sort of almost began to resent it. But now that we've been forced to kind of, I don't know, lean into the discomfort of this time and, and hunker down and simplify to some degree and be more agile in the business and innovative in the business and um, spend more time just helping community because you might, we might feel our world is falling down around us, but I guarantee there are other people whose worlds are crashing. Um, and it's in this time, it really highlights what your purpose is. And it's made me so, so, so grateful to realize that and be reminded that the core purpose that drives me in life is helping people, helping people to find their feet. And I use my business, my company, Find Your Feet, as my tool, my vehicle to do this. So feeling fear, if you are feeling fear, ask yourself, what is it highlighting? What is it highlighting that is meaningful to you? Because it is such a blessing to have that awakening moment. Another thing that I've been thinking about, um, and sorry if this becomes a bit random as I just throw my ideas out there, is, um, is this understanding of anchoring. So anchoring is, um, is about when you have an emotion, uh, you will often anchor to, to the place, um, the time of day, or the person, or the experience that is around you in that moment. So, for example, if I'm in floods of tears over something petty standing in the kitchen, the worst thing that my husband can do in that moment is to come and give me a hug. As much as that is the very first thing that I want, and probably why I'm standing there in back with loads of tears is subconsciously I just want a hug. But if he comes and hugs me, it anchors that negative emotion to him and that, and that hug, the smell of him, the feel of him, the feel of his arms wrapped around me. The other thing would be to look really deep into his eyes in that moment of discomfort because, again, it will create an anchor between him and that negative emotion. And it's fine for it to happen here and there. Don't get me wrong. But if it happens every single time you feel sad or scared or you burst into tears, you will begin to anchor him and that emotion of sadness or, or whatever created the tears. Similarly, what you'll also find, I'm sure you'll um, this will resonate with you, that if you're a runner... If you've gone and done hill reps up a certain hill and then, you know, you've always done them there and then one day you think, oh, I'm just on an easy jog and I'll just go and gently jog up that hill, you'll get to the bottom of it and you'll suddenly have this memory of like tempo running up this hill hard and the heart rate going up and you'll just suddenly feel like you start, you're like saliva glands start producing saliva, your heart rate goes up. And, um, and even though you say, you keep saying to yourself, no, 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 I'm only jogging today, you're anchoring into that um, experience of running hard up that hill. So I encourage, and that's, this is also why we create separation in the home environment is that if every time you walk to the kitchen table and you anchor to work mode, then it's going to be really hard for you to tune out. So anchoring is, is such a vital thing to become aware of. 
It's like if you've had a car accident and then, you know, you drive past that corner. Every time you drive past that corner where you had your car accident, you'll find that your heart rate starts increasing and you get this sort of butterfly feeling in your body. And that's just you anchoring to that moment of fear and, um, and, and the car accident and the experience of that. So I've tried to now create, because we're so limited now um, often by where we can run and how we can play around the home, is to be very consciously separating certain routes that are just for jogging and recovery. And I don't mask them with, you know, going and doing anything hard in that space. So that whenever I run on those routes, I'm I'm anchoring to unwinding and, and a sensation of just um, gentleness and recovery. I really have found that so helpful um, that trying to create that separation outside of the home as well. So I guess like in some ways um, in this time where whatever was once normal and what is normal? I asked that question. What is normal was, was what we were doing before normal. Um, but you know, we hear this thing about the moment, like the new normal, but whatever, whatever in this moment where everything is a bit topsy turvy, consider yourself in some ways a bit like a little business, like a little sole trader business. You know, we, if you're involved in that world at all, there's so many articles out there about how can you innovate? And this is a great time for innovation. But, you know, in some ways, I guess, as a little sole trader enterprise, me, myself, I, um, it is a time for innovation. It is a time for breaking outside of what we've always done before and, and seeing it as a little gift of like understanding what your core purpose is in life, what your values are. How can you be more agile in your lifestyle? How can you innovate with the space and the um, the home that you have around you? How can you make your home even more sacred through this time? You know, how can you be more efficient at work? Um, can you, you know, look at some of the things that you've always done and, and see them as an opportunity to, um, to try something new? I'm not saying do things better. I'm not. But I'm just saying do them differently or just try them differently. You might find it doesn't work for you. Maybe you got all inspired by me talking about trying yoga for the first real time ever and, and you think you're going to do it and you, you get on your mat and you hate it. That's not for you then necessarily. I mean, give it a few days, but it might not be for you. Similarly, you know, you might find that it's impossible to create a workspace at home. But how can you innovate? How can you be your own little enterprise to kind of bring um, bring about a a a great normal, um, and mm, I hate the phrase, a new normal, but we'll run with that. So yeah, that's kind of my little, my little spiel for the day. Um, I just, I also want to take this opportunity to thank everyone who has reached out and shared their experiences. Um, you know, it is, it is such an isolating time and, um, and I'd be lying to say if there haven't been buckets of tears and mayday phone calls to parents who (laughs) will listen um without judgment to to the fear but um it really has been just the most extraordinary experience to see our communities coming together people reaching out neighbors dropping off quince jelly in a letterbox like 
in some ways now that I've like found ways to calm myself down I've really seen just such amazing beauty in this moment and I'm also really enjoying the excuse to to run quietly and solo on the on the um limited trails that we have available to us at the moment but even on the roads and just spending time just kind of watching the world pass by it really is so beautiful so I'm just going to share just um a few more small snippets of the book just to conclude and just be aware that this book will hopefully be launching um, in sometime in the first few weeks of May we'll probably have pre-orders just because uh, that will help guide us as to how many we need to um, to print in production at the beginning but once again this is some I'm I'm really in some ways I'm really nervous about releasing this book I'm also really excited because um, I really have opened my heart and expose some times that yeah I'm not proud of um but there are also times that I'm really really proud of but it is a story one story about striving through adversity um and striving and, and striving for that opportunity to find my feet and I hope that if I and through sharing um, so openly, I might help someone, even just one person out there to, um, to also embark on that journey or to, to help them reach a point where they feel like they might maybe be finding their feet. So here we go. Through writing and assisting others as a coach and mentor, I found my voice. It took time, but again, to feel able to share my story complete with the emotions wrapped up in it first with Graham and then slowly with a few friends. Unspoken words became spoken words. I found it easier at first to be running on a trail, avoiding eye contact. I still felt that though in those moments they had a telescope to my soul where my vulnerability lay, and this frightened me. However, when they didn't flinch, blink or skip a beat, I began to feel more comfortable in the knowledge that perhaps I was not broken Maybe my story hadn't really cracked me. Perhaps all I was looking at was a bruised heart that just became a little foggy. Perhaps I was indeed whole, capable, complete. And the more I told myself this, the more I realised the truth in this. Having now laid out my story and taken a step back, I would not change one single moment of it. For if I hadn't had the valleys... I could not have possibly seen the vistas beyond. If I had only seen the sunshine, I would not have seen the sunrises and sunsets casting golden glows on my internal boulevard. If at times I had not walked alone, I would not recognise the joy in walking beside or hand in hand with another. If I had not run away, I wouldn't know the excitement of running towards. If I had not blundered blindly forward, I would not have learnt the important lessons that I am now so, so eternally grateful for. We cannot define ourselves by what we have done. I am not my story, but rather the person who walked in the shoes while the story unfolded. We are also not what happens to us. I am not the incidents, deaths, injuries, accolades or relationships. Rather... I am the attitudes, beliefs, values and emotions that define the way I responded in these moments. We cannot think our way through the bumps and lumps of life. 
I cannot sit at a table and nut through the challenges with a pen and paper. Instead, I need to be willing to open my heart to the possibilities which can unfold and to love. I am not the gift I'm giving others. I am the one giving the gift and can only do so after I've given this gift to myself first. I am a young woman who unfolds and evolves. I am the foundation of my endeavours, the seed from which my future grows. I am wild in spirit, feminine, compassionate, and yet a warrior in my willingness to strive. And when all things combined, I am ready to thrive. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your patience while this long overdue episode came to fruition. It Look, it is just a download of where my brain is at now, but I really do want to thank you all so, so incredibly much for supporting, well, for supporting me on this journey as well. Um, you guys have given me the confidence to kind of open up my world and to share experiences, yeah, that at times I'm not proud of, but um, I'm so grateful for it. I'm also really grateful to everyone who has indeed supported uh, Find Your Feet. I'm grateful in advance to anyone who gets behind the book. And so stay tuned. We'll give you plenty of warning to when um, you can buy copies. It will be available on digital on Amazon, Kobo, Kindle, um, Draft Digital, any of those online platforms. And it'll also be available in paperback. Um, and we'd be really grateful if the paperbacks were purchased through Find Your Feet. Um, until then, I wish you all so, so many best wishes for keeping well, playful and thriving through this uncertain time. I know you guys can. Um, if anything, maybe the one thing you take away from today's conversation is what is the dream? What's the dream that is keeping you alive through this time? Keep it alive. Cool. Thanks team. Find your feet. I'm so grateful to you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you.